Cradeline Network. Let's, uh, <laughs> my name is Conrad, alongside my friend Fox. This is the 289th episode of Space Spinner 2000, a podcast nice. of two Americans trying to make 89 of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD for February and March 1994, progs 876 to 879. This time, Dread quits Sugar, will tour hell with Luke Kirby, Things go wrong for Tyranny Rex. We'll meet the Grudge Father and see Friday be reunited with his biochip buddies. Also, Dynocity. Uh, yeah, it was about. <laughs> uh, I'm going to ask this question, I feel like, a few times. What is a Grudge Father? I don't. I, I don't know. I, what, what is a grudge? What, I mean, what's, what's grudge energy, Fox? What's a grudge <laughs> overflow? Why do we keep saying that like I'm supposed to know what that means? I mean, I know what a thrill power overload is because I've had to live it multiple times. And I can tell you when it's coming and it's not always that good. But a grudge I can, overflow. I can tell you the concept of a thrill of something that is thrilling, Fox. I don't know <laughs> if I can tell you about an endemic force just called a grudge. I mean, I've seen... Listen, okay, yes, I've seen the the horror movie or whatever. Well, no, I haven't. I've seen commercials for the horror movie because I'm a baby. But <laughs> I don't... Unless you're like a, a Warhammer dwarf where the Book of Grudges is an actual magical force in your life. There's just a book of grudges. Mm. Yeah, no, it's awesome, actually. This giant book and they write people's names in it and then they like shoot fucking lightning bolts at people I mean, with it. I was thinking more of like a Death Note thing where you're just like, I got a grudge against this guy and then you got to pay a price. I mean, it's, yeah, it's a little bit more, it's more like, all right, that's it. I'm I'm putting you in the book, motherfucker. Here ooh, you go. Oh, it's like uh, Solomon Kane, you know? Yeah, or uh, Chris Jericho as well. Ooh, pro wrestling. Nice. You just made a list. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's talk about something sweet. Yeah, let's let's save our belly aching about the Grudge Father for later. Instead, let's get. Oh, sorry. Also, if you want to follow along with us from the comics we're covering today, and Judge Dredd: The Complete Case Files Twenty, the Luke Kirby Collection, and Judge Dredd Magazine Three Sixty Seven. But yeah, listen, I'm I'm ti- I'm I'm tired of being sour, Fox. <laughs> Sweeten things up <laughs> with a dash of racism in Thrill oh. One, Judge Dredd. I feel like this is more like Sour Patch Kids territory. I mean, Ooh, sweet and sour. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Or uh, Fizzy Fish, as we have in England. Or Sour Pastilles. Love a fruit pastille, Fox. I've not. You have had so many more things that are British than I have. <laughs> yeah, well, listen. Also, I yeah, I'm definitely more candy motivated than you. Absolutely. <laughs> What's this? A candy bar. Well, all right. <laughs> raisins, you say? Okay. Oh no, raisins are the bad candy influence. That makes nah, everything nah. worse. That's. I mean, 
Nor I in America, I definitely agree. I'm in, a coconut man. Coconut in my in, chocolate, coconut in my sweet stuff. I love it. Raisins. In England, they toss raisins into all the chocolate stuff. It's crazy. You got a picnic bar, Fox. Pretty good. Not gonna lie to you. Ugh. Get like a freaking get a hot cross bun themed uh, uh, dairy milk bar. You know. <laughs> I'm not, I mean, whole world out there. I'm even skeptical of like an ants on a log. You know what I mean? That's an American. That's that's just a, that's just a trick. Celery and peanut butter. Ridiculous. Celery and peanut butter. It makes it, it makes it digestible. (laughs) Goddamn celery. At any rate, let's, uh, let's put this into the sugar cubes and get started. (laughs) Oh, that's my pun. I love it. Script robot Alan McKenzie, a Sonny Steelgrave, and Mark Miller. Art robot Ron Smith. Letting robot Tom Frame and Ellie DeVille. Fox, Judge Dredd, Lawman of the Future, on the trail of some sugar smugglers, because we'll recall sugar is, of course, outlawed in this world of tomorrow. And it's taken him to the Pan-Andean Conurb. Um, you know, west side of the South South America, and within it to the ship, the crazy Julio and Gracias. And Gracias? I guess. Gracias. A, yeah, a reference to the fact that Julio and Glacius, the singer, had an album called Crazy coming out in 1994, and it's full of well armed baddies, but before my, they can make. My oh, favorite ahead. my favorite part about this is that they've got a bunch of, like, above deck containers. But the whole purpose of the containers is for men to yell and for other men to just like pull them up to have a bunch of things that can shoot off the back of the ship. Yeah, they're, they're <laughs> that's not where they containers. keep the sugar, baby. That's below Mm-mm. the hole. Before they can make Dread eat lead and burrito, he um, shoots the ship with an armor-piercing bullet, and it blows up. If there was any evidence, it's now sunk to the bottom of the Black Pacific. Dread returns to the local sector. I feel like, does he need, like, it seems like he doesn't, but I guess he does. I think he mostly just needs the evidence because he's in a different juris, because he doesn't really have jurisdiction here in the Pan Andes, you know? So he's he's got to have some proof for the locals to back his play, even though, as we'll see, they they, they won't because they're all so corrupt. It's all a thing. You got you to gotta cuff that boat. Exactly. Dredd returns to the local sector house to nurse his wounds and gets chewed out by the desk sergeant. He also makes a report to Chief Magruder back home as a local judge listens in. Something stinks, but Dredd doesn't have any evidence. So he asks Magruder to get him some transport to the jungles to investigate. Afterwards, Dredd is called into Chief Judge Garcia's office where the corpulent chief yells at him again. He's sort of a, a fatty type guy, you know. He loves of, his chimichangas, which, as far as I know, is not really like a thing. <laughs> I mean, it's a thing of the future, maybe. You know, cultural cross pollination and, and, and repollination, you know? Fair. Um, and he just eats it right there on his chest and gets spilled and stuff. Very Conrad way of existing here. Hey, uh, listen, I, if it wasn't <laughs> there for you to catch the things, then why would you have a chest and chin? So many chests, food stains, Fox. Um, uh, Transport has been arranged for Dread, and don't go over my head again. At the helipad, Dread sees his new ride, an olive green bell helicopter with air taxi written on its nose. Hey, look, it's New York's hot new system from multiple years ago, Blade. It's an air taxi. Finally, it's an antique, but handsome pilot Juan says, uh, is kind of Han soloing about it. You know, hunk of junk. What are you talking about? That kind of stuff. 
They take off, trailing parts as they go, as the chief speaks to a mysterious lady's mouth on a screen, which says, Dread is about to be taken out, and parting is such sweet sorrow. Oh, it's the Tom Tully special, Fox. Uh, yeah, but mouth style. Like, why would you make sure that the, like, camera was at mouth level? I would hate people looking at my mouth while I spoke to them. You just, you know, some people just aren't self-conscious about their teeth because they're weirdos. Fox oh, God. Basically, basically my feeling. Yeah, no, I'm very, listen. Get to see all the uh, spit and the tongue action while they're like, blah, 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 blah. A year or so of constant Zoom work is really, um, just really highlight a lot of things I'm not happy about with my face business, Fox. It's no good. Um, anyway, the chopper continues to trail debris and including like its landing skids and stuff when suddenly Dread and the pilots come under fire. We learn that the mysterious voice and mouth belongs to a Senora Testarossa who chides the chief judge for saying her name and for not covering his tracks well enough because of that Dread must die. <laughs> the the chief I do objects. love that, oh, like, right on the front of their giant gunship, it just says, it's the Testarossa Corporation. Hey, hey, these missiles brought to you by. Definitely. The chief objects, but the senora instead just offers him a nice cherry cake, which seems to change his mind. In the sky, Dread Radio's threats the attacking hover vehicle, but soon goes crashing into a sugarcane field. The lads in the in the hover car are pretty happy, but Testarossa yells at them because, you know, he Dread landed into the actual sugarcane fields and now the crops are burning, you idiots. This has nothing to do with cocaine. <laughs> At least Dread is dead, right? Wrong. Both nah, he and Juan survived the crash, and now they're going to tropic thunder their way into the sugar facility. Oh, I like that film. That's when you die hard into a factory that produces white powder, Fox. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Tessarosa sees them on the screen, and our boys search the place and find it deserted, except, of course, for that giant time bomb that's just been activated. <laughs> Whoops. I like because it, it wasn't it wasn't on solo that did that shit. Right. Like it, it he just found it and he's like, whoops. Yeah. Well, so you, they yeah, just kind of like the bomb ready to blow up. Yeah. their Fields. No. Yeah. They're searching. And Han Solo was like, oh, yeah, this place is clean. It's fine. And then he sees the bomb. And he's like, oh, I think I tell a feeb. Yeah. Not well, cool. Ugh. Yeah. The, the sugar plantation explodes. Rapid carbolization. But Dred's fine. And the baddies have blown a hole in their own defenses. So now he's in the bad guy base. Still on fire. Hey, you're getting like caramel out of that. Be a giant field of delicious caramel. Finally. It's a shootout as Dredd takes Testarossa's goons on while insulting them. He shoots a couple, and Juan tosses the final goon, Dredd's lawgiver, and it explodes oh, in his hands. I was so happy about that, by the way, because I love that he got it. He's like, yeah, here, take this gun. And I'm like, oh, yes. Payoff. <laughs> totally. Sweet I feel like this payoff. has been happening a little bit recently, or a, a little bit more than I recall in the past, I guess. I feel like... There's been times where we've gone years without us seeing oh, the yeah. trap on, on Dredd's gun. So it's interesting to see it happen whenever it it's does, I think. Gotta have the fingerprints, man. Yeah, I mean, you know, let me make the standard nerd comment of mentioning that Dredd always wears gloves. So whatever. But It could be grip strength. Going. 
to be clear. <laughs> they specifically say it's Prince. You know, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't matter. It's the future. <laughs> Dredd was a werewolf once. Your argument's invalid. <laughs> Spider people exist. Oh, man. Several kinds. There are people who turns into spiders and there's spider aliens that can oh, turn yeah. into people. Oh, yeah. I mean, Write his name in blood. <laughs> That's what I was looking for. Thanks, buddy. Um. Anyway, Testarossa says she's too rich and powerful to be arrested. She's got a very long Spanish last name. Dredd agrees, especially now that the plantation's been torched. But he also can't help but notice that now she has no sugar to supply the various illegal, you know, criminals that she's promised to supply it to. And that's probably not going to. He done did a well queen of future. South honor. Oh man. Um. Oh, uh, uh, oh. Come on. Um. Also, I want to mention that I feel like from when we first saw her mouth in that video thing, her teeth have gotten progressively worse panel yeah, to panel as the I story mean, goes I, on. You, I would get it if she was like eating a bunch of candy, like eating her stock or whatever. And it's like, yeah, I got mm-hmm. bad teeth. <clears throat> and I think that's what they're going for. But then another shot, she's just got very nice teeth. So yeah. I don't get it. Just, just needs a big pile of it, like Scarface, you know? She agrees to give up information in exchange for the safety of a Mega City One prison. And Dredd arrives back at the Conurb and commandeers a catch wagon um, and tells the guys that are like, hey, you're taking our ride. Like, take a donkey, which was a joke that was in the first part of this story. And I should mention that he once they arrive back at Pan Andes. Yeah. And once they get back to the Pan Andes, everybody has a light cloud of flies flying around their head as well. You know. Uh Anyway, yeah, sorry, t- take a pony, not a donkey. At the Sector House, Dredd has arrested most of the top Pan Andy's brass and basically says, you guys are so corrupt, I'm taking the jurisdiction. Chief Garcia is going to get a... Yeah. <laughs> Chief Garcia is going to get 100 years on Titan, and from now on, all the sugar's going to be cubed. So he did... A reverse CIA, but in turn then just did a regular CIA. I feel like if it was really he, he CIA, took, he then, took then, control then of ju- it, right? But yeah. then he, but the thing, is, the reverse CIA, he burned everything, mm-hmm. right? Because that's not what they would have done. They would have used it to fuel. Well, I don't think. So yeah, I don't think the was. Justice Department's now going to be selling sugar. I think they sort exactly. of keep that out. So that's line. that's why it's like that's the reverse part. But then the literal CIA portion is, but I take it over. It isn't even still a man there. He throws the one man that that probably would have been helpful there. In well, the he cubes. does. I mean, I mean, I think that that this is a temporary thing, and that local control will return to the Pan Andes Connor. But I mean, oh. as we'll see, Dread is back. Like, because okay, so because Dread arrests Juan for having a heli- a crappy helicopter and handling judicial equipment, and then heads out to. Um, to the streets of the Conurb to enforce the law. But, 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 you know, but we're about to talk about the next story and he's already back in Mega City One. So I think yeah, it's very exactly. much a, just a stopgap until the local judges could sort of reset up their um, local control. So it is opposite CIA. Mm. Listen, Dredd's a good guy. No, not well, really. But <laughs> I mean, look, just because he's better not than, instituting better, a different as- regime. As always, when when we compa- when we talk about dread, he's better than some, you know. <laughs> Judge Death, <laughs> uh, Grice, the CIA, all a that necromonger. Stuff. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, Mark Miller and Ron Smith take over for our final, st- our, our second story here with Ellie Deville lettering. 
and this one's called Top Gun. At the Grand Hall of Justice, Dredd has issued a po- a prototype new lawgiver that's got like this big suppressor v- barrel and like a, a big old uh, like like magazine in the front, and a new Lawmaster, a new bike that's like purple with Gatling guns and ground to air missiles. It's all a setup for you know it's going to be bad. <laughs> yeah, it's got a jet ski. It can go six hundred kilometers an hour. I should mention also there's some Goro lives graffiti in the background here, some Mortal Kombat graffiti, I guess. I yeah, I was I was curious about that, but I mean We've seen video game graffiti going on in the background oh, of Judge yeah. Dredd for oh, yeah. a while now, I think. I remember there was an acclaim logo mm-hmm. as a stuff. Um anyway. I do love me some Turok. Yeah. Dredd isn't super impressed, but heads out anyway to use this stuff. On the street, the people are very appreciative of his big new gun and bike. And then Not there's reports. For long. <laughs> yeah. And there's reports of a breakout at ISO Cube 13, so Dredd goes to handle it alone. He blasts off, his citizens look on appreciatively as, like, you know, papers and debris sort of get scattered around because he's going so fast. At the jail, the perps are breaking out on big terror wagons, blasting judges wholesale when Dredd arrives on the scene. He takes out one of the wagons with mega high X rounds from the Gatling guns, just instantly incinerating them. And then fires missiles at the other ve- at, at other vehicles. But when he does, his bike engine catches fire. Hey, well, with the lawgiver like stowed inside, so it's like I don't have my gun. Yeah, everything's on fire. Well, fuck. <laughs> In the end, um, or the, the the bike quickly catches fully on fire, and Dread complains about this new tech, even as he has a fiery shootout with the convicts. In the end, he sends the flaming bike on a suicide run at the cons, taking them out in a massive baroom. It's pretty good. Yeah, the day is saved, but it looks like the prototype gun broke as well. And Dredd isn't mad, just disappointed, and sends the weapons engineer to Titan for 20 years for criminal negligence. This I don't get. I feel like, of course, you would test the new shit in the field. Like, after it's passed some amount of, of tests or whatever, why would you punish the guy for it not being, like, he, he may, uh, there, there are so many complications here where it's like, well, you wrote it too hard, or like, we didn't account for this, that, or the other thing. And suddenly he cares about how many people were fucking murdered when he's killed billions, nearly? I mean, many of those, most of those billions were in a different city. To, you know, not 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 the city he he himself patrols. <laughs> sure, sure. I just mean, I mean more of like yeah. you know, there, this can't be the only gun that's being tested. You know what I mean? I agree. I mean, or I mostly agree because I definitely think that like like there's gonna you know when you're testing something new, there's gonna be bugs, and it seems like you'll never get any innovation if when something um, immediately when something goes wrong, you send someone to jail. On the other hand, this this is a pretty catastrophic failure, and like you shouldn't put it in the prototype you know you, you shouldn't put it in dread's hands if this is a possibility basically yeah you gotta you gotta find some lesser judges to test this shit on baby yeah <laughs> definitely i think that's also like when you're doing hot dog runs and stuff like you probably don't you either send your best judge candidates out with dread or your worst ones because he's gonna fail a, a lot of them anyway you know i mean they're all gonna die primarily or or they'll all die as well right <laughs> You send your worst students because you're like, oh, yeah, no. I mean, I guess if they make it. I mean, that says something to them if they make it, but they probably won't. <laughs> Next time on Judge Dread Fox, it's Die Hard in a Boat. I mean, under siege. <laughs> All right. 
Yeah. And speaking of the devil, you know, Fox and various other hell-based puns, let's go to Thrill 2, Luke Kirby. Yep. It keeps going. (laughs) Yeah. Script about Alan McKenzie, art about Steve Parkhouse and Nick Abadzis and Gina Hart. Letting Robot, Steve Parkhouse. Gee, Conrad, uh, I wonder if this guy's the devil and Mm. uh, he doesn't want other demons to possess Luke Kirby's buddy. He wants to do it. That's why he's bringing it. Possible. Bottom of hell. I'm calling it now. Yeah. Mm. Luke Kirby and a mysterious man named Jack have taken a train (laughs) to hell. I should mention that it's uh, still dece- it's like Christmas Eve or the day after Christmas, like 1963 or whatever, just to keep us in time. They find themselves queuing in a massive versions of uh, King's Cross train station. There's also just a lot. Of, uh, it's it, there's just a lot of ironic hills, modern ironic hills these days. Yeah. So like waiting in line or Christmas shopping on Oxford Street and the stuff. The hell Very, of waiting for your friend to text you back when you send them information about a thing that's time sensitive. Yeah, we all get it. All very modern and times and a London centric hells. Actually, that's what I noticed. Yeah. Mind <laughs> um, the gap, etc. Yeah, we see a dude giving a pitch for L. Ron Hubbard and a guy receiving it for eternity. They're both in their private hells. Yeah, oh, they, now, they don't they don't know that that's going to be hell on Earth soon enough. Oh, man. Now I'm nervous I didn't respond to one of your texts, Fox, just for the record. Oh, no, uh, no. What? What? <laughs> no. Anyway, the, the, lads, the, the lads catch a cab, which is driven by a chimp, and arrive at the Underworld Club, um, which seems very Alan McKenzie. Just we've got to go to a dance club in the course of this story. Um, and there they check Jesus. out some chicks and a doomed and a guy doomed to try to buy a condom from a nightclub vending machine and be unsuccessful in doing so. I didn't realize that was what that was until you said that. <laughs> I mean, that's what it seems like to me. <laughs> that is absolutely what it seems like now that I'm looking I'm just at thinking the picture of, and of like, what the. Of what the vending machines are like, are for? Oh, they in are that in, in a men's bathroom, right? No, that's maybe exactly what maybe that he is. needs a French tickler really badly or something like that. I don't know. Well, it's it literally says on the side, "Buy me and stop one." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I should mention, I, I I asked some folks and you know got some encouraging noises, but we weren't really clear. I kind of think that the lady they talked to, it's it's kind of this blonde lady with short hair has kind of a Princess Diana kind of look to her, especially the way... Uh, yeah, the younger Diana Yeah, look. well, the version of, like, I mean, just sort of, she looks a lot like the version that Parkhouse drew for Big Dave, actually, yeah. if, if if with less of a, uh, of, of a schnoz, you know? But anyway. So why um, is yeah. she in hell? Is I don't it know. Sh- it, it doesn't make sense, especially because it's 94, like she's still alive yeah. and stuff like that, you know? And... I don't even know if she was born yet in 1963. Like, you know, where the timelines don't match. Or if she was, she was just a little girl, basically. Well, so the timelines hell, are really hell exists up. outside of time. I guess. I, I guess, mean, Fox. It's in the fourth dimension, baby. Whoa. It's like all the- It's all literal time. Well, sorry. Fourth dimension is all literal time at once, whereas fifth dimension is potential also timeline. Ah, yes. Yeah. Time exists so everything doesn't happen at once. Space exists so that everything doesn't happen to you. (sighs) Anyway, Jack explains there's multiple levels of hell and Luke's dad is at the very bottom and they're going to have to go through some difficult situations to find him. 
Because he's below the accountant's level. Get it? Accountants. Lol. Oh, I hate accountants. LOL. LOL. Accountants help here. you save your money. That's horrible of them you to pencil do that. Pusher, you pencil pusher nerds. Get out God, of here. It's, it's horrible that people try to, you know, make sure More that like your money More like certified public ass fox. <sighs> Ass count. My mother was a CPA. (laughs) Oh no! And then eventually something else. (laughs) She's a part of the the capitalist system, Conrad. I don't respect the position, but I do respect. Yeah, big ups to Fox's mom for sure. Hey, ten out of ten, Wood Mama. Mama Fox. Yeah, Luke and the man, or Luke and Jack, enter the Inferno Hotel as he warns Luke that they're entering the darker sections of hell. They arrive at a giant pit. The only way across is to walk a narrow, basically invisible path to uh, fall well, is to good be doomed thing he's to magic. pain and torment. Yeah. Luke creates a balance pole and uses magic to shut off his senses, letting him keep his concentration and follow the path until Jack flies up and says, boo, startling him. Why the balance pole? I feel like, I guess, like, so you know when you're tilting one way or another, but it feels yeah. superfluous if you could just... Close your eyes and walk it without. I mean, that's no, what to, I yeah figured. to keep his balance on the narrow path. I guess I don't know. I don't know how balance poles work. Actually, I'm, you know, I saw that movie where the guy walks between the World Trade Centers. That was pretty cool. Woof! Wouldn't <laughs> um, do it. Yeah, Jack says, or sorry, Jack startles him. Luke says he takes tests like this seriously. But she acts like this is life, not a test. And you could have just used your magic to fly across the gap if you wanted instead of tightrope walking. And Luke's kind of pissed and then keeps flying away. And, you know, Jack just kind of gives him a lot of information about stuff, references that, oh, it's the devil in me. I'm the devil. FYI. Listen to me. I'm underscoring, italicizing, and underlining. Los Diablo son mio, buddy. That kind of stuff. El Diablo, es mio. It is to me ridiculous that a small boy couldn't figure out, oh, you're the devil, won't ya? Yeah. Luke enters a glowing doorway, and Jack informs him that this is his personal hell, so deal with your inner demons and shit, and if you make it through, then I'll take you to your dad. And it might be all about... A fall from grace. Whoa. Weird times. Anyway, to be continued, Luke Kirby is going to be back in Prague 884, our episode 292. So like Uh, two or three from now. Build muscles fast. Anyway. (laughs) Finally. Working out, Fox. Give me those (laughs) fake IDs. Muscle Dynamics is a new bodybuilding system based on principles developed after years of exhaustive research. Exhaustive. Should have been fucking... Bold or italicized there. <laughs> the only tension I want is dynamic tension, Fox. <laughs> yeah. Hey, and speaking of weirdly muscled men, Fox, oh, let's God. go to Thrill 3 Dynosity. <sighs> My first question to you is do we have to? I know the Maybe. answer. It's fine. My second question is I know you wrote about Dynosity. So implicitly, you must understand Dynosity. Oh, yeah. I understand it on two levels, Fox. Okay. (laughs) Did you? Yes. Level one is just sort of the straight what happens in the story. And number two is its biting criticism on the English monarchy. That's this this whole thrill, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Okay, just making sure that what I read was... I mean, it's boring. Oh, yeah. I'm not, visual, saying, I'm visual, not saying it's Visually great. interesting. Boring. I think Clint Langley is really doing his best to make this thing as gross and memorable as possible. You know? <laughs> he did that. Yeah. Okay, anyway, let's talk about cricket. Yeah, script wrote by Pat Mills, art wrote by Clint Langley, letter about Ellie DeVille. Please, polo, buddy. Oh, oh these right. dang noble, nobility dinos. Yeah, they're playing polo and doing it by lopping a guy who's dressed like a polo ball's head off and knocking it into a goalpost and all that kind of stuff. And then we see that Duke Gorgos' wife is gallivanting around with Vicious, her motorcycle-driving bodyguard is a real cool dino dude. We gotta tell the Duke. They also did a smooch. Mm. But who gives a shit? It's true. Among the humans, Dracon the Darius, the Destrier, is commuting with the Dracons, the true masters of the planet. And they say the time of the dinos is gone. It's time for humans to rule as they their receptacles. They keep saying that, but they haven't really done much. IMO. No. Well, they're doing it now because it's time to take the dragons down. So they're going to sneak into the castle. The crew's worried about not having enough troops, but are about. But then they're about to run into a bunch of humans that have been marked bad meat. <laughs> anyway, Prince Elvis quashes the rumors of infidelity inside the Dynasty press as Lord Gorgos uses his like dino chariot basically to knock vicious's motorcycle into a giant feed tanker dinosaur which where which opens up a gas leak of you know literal like fart gas and then causes an explosion this covers the castle in thousands of gallons of blazing gizzard and rips open at its very foundations and i should mention um this is probably a reference to this guy uh barry manicky who was one of Princess Diana's bodyguards that was suspected of having an affair with her, who died of a car crash <sighs> shortly after being dismissed in, like, 1988. Weird. I find that to be particularly suspect, given conditions of history. But, you know, I do like conspiracy. Mm. In the crack in the foundations, uh, uh, there arrived Dracon, the Destrier, and his crew, meeting up with a bunch of human slaves who were destined to be food, and they're pretty excited about it. Yeah, they're it. into it. Yeah. And then the humans argue about whether they want to be slaves or meat or not or whatever, and the dinos... And then a dino appears with a, a murder mower. I mean, this is very much just making fun of people who like their royalty, basically, and like the yeah, current status quo system such. as it exists. Like, absolutely. <clears throat> I bought... <clears throat> uh, excuse me. I bought a, uh, a commemorative mug and tea towel for my stepmom for the uh, for the Platinum Jubilee Fox. Well, that's actually really <laughs> sweet, I feel. Yeah. No, I got a lot of, a lot of stepson points for it, I gotta say. Um, anyway... Murder mower with a dino shows up to kill all these humans. At a production of Dino Lake, Gorgos tells his wife Saliva about the death of her bodyguard and she mm-hmm. attacks him. But Elvis reminds them not to fight in front of the public. So instead they smile falsely and terrifyingly to create a united front. In the dungeons, the humans rebel against the, fl- the flesh mower and kill the dino driving it, showing the other people that their dino gods can be destroyed. And, uh, hey, this opens up their eyes. Like, maybe it's not cool that these dudes are literally eating us. Like, not metaphorically, like, literally, like, dining on our flesh. Yeah, we need to eat the rich. I get it. But also, do you need to make a demon pact? But we'll get there. (laughs) 
the rebellion is on, though one of their leaders is still worried about, like, who's helping the humans from behind the scenes. If dinosaurs eat human flesh, what do the Dracons eat? Meanwhile, uh, Lady Saliva is consulting with Cardinal Malingus about getting a divorce, and the Cardinal says no way. Thus, the queen thinks the only way to be free of her husband is with a more permanent solution, well, if you know what I mean. But there's also some, like, like I have I, I have too much love to give, and there's some, like, undertones here, because she's blowing kisses to, like, her, her ladies-in-waiting, I think. Oh, yeah. Like, Listen, so it's, like, also lesbians bad? Like, I don't I get think, this story. I think it's just that, like, you know, this... Princess Diana stand-in is also like, you know, as much as there's problems with the system that brought her to power, she's also kind of slutty, so you shouldn't feel too bad for her or something like that. Man, I, well, that, uh, okay. Well, I wouldn't want to take that away, but also if that story is going to just do text, also, fuck you. (laughs) Our marriage united the prestigious clans of the dinosaurs with the royal house of Windsors, Fox. Get out of here. Anyway. Ouch. (laughs) In his private chambers, Gorgos the Good is also getting a message from his lover, Lady Fangala, Fangala, um, written on the tongue of a chameleon. But the tongue ends before the message can get to the good bits, and Gorgos is enraged. On the ramparts, though... um, Princes Rex and Elvis shoot the breeze until they see the human rebels massing. Rex sounds the alarm, which is Flintstone style, you know, hitting a noisy list with the mallet. So it starts so screaming. But it's a living. Oh. <laughs> Gorgos runs to defend the castle as some human rebels show up and find that chameleon and learn of the scandals. They'll share the messages around. These will be the chameleon tapes. And that's a reference to the Camilla tapes, Fox, which was between Prince Charles and his lover, Camilla Parker Bowles. And there was just a bunch of recordings of them, like, talking dirty to each other on the phone and stuff. That's when we found out that he said he wanted to be your tampon or something. Oh. Yeah, bad times. Well, I mean, listen, rich people, this is why you got to eat them. First off, but also like, you know, people are going to be getting weird when they have the money to be weird. So I I, I feel like I, I'm i literally not surprised by what you said, but also the tampon thing. I, it's a lot. You know, there's a there's a there's some mommy stuff there that he's got to deal with. Some menstruation thing. I'd like to I don't want to defend this situation specifically, but I will say that all dirty talk is extremely cringy if you sort of are not in the moment. Like yeah, that's sort exactly. of I I would suggest everyone go over their text re- messages with their uh, significant other and their realize sextages. the Yeah, the challenges that they put for themselves would were they to be released in the newspaper. Anyway, outside Gorgo confronts Dracon, but the human transforms into a demon monster so that they can fight on even levels. Uh, Gorgos and the demon banter, and we learn that humans give demons even more of the fell emotions they need and are capable of more destruction and cruelty than even dinosaurs are. Meanwhile, Saliva plans to kill Gorgos by dropping some, like, masonry, like a gargoyle on him or something. But instead, it lands on Dracon. Oh, jeez. Love conquers all, and these humans are in trouble. Next time on Dinosity, shoot that poison arrow. 
thy poisonous arrow. Yeah. Fuck your magic twanger, froggy. That kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, it's fine. Uh, like I don't know. Maybe it. Maybe it is the American mm. in me. I'm like I don't really care about. Uh, Not great. Royalty I say. stuff. I mean, it it looks great in places, but it doesn't always visually tell me what the fuck is happening after. Yeah, the text. I think the uh, the art is really interesting and over the top. I think this is something we've talked about on uh, Big Meg One a lot, actually, but I think it has some struggles with legibility, just in yes. terms of <laughs> what's going on moment to moment and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but still still pretty interesting and just really focused on being as gross like gross and disgusting and stuff like that. As but, opposed to evocative and interesting. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just not super feeling it. And yeah, like, I, 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 I hate that I know enough about the British royal family that I can pick up on these references, Fox. I don't like I that I mean, I, you much. learned me something today that I didn't know. And like, okay, I, now I have that in my brain. I would say if you don't know this stuff and are interested in it somehow, I would recommend the podcast uh, You're Wrong About, which had like, a five-part series on Princess Diana and just very, like, had some very interesting stuff in there. Okay. Uh, sort of d- downloading some of the po- some of the popular books about it into one place and sort of just talking about veracity and things like that. I don't know. Interesting. Anyway. Anyway, uh, enough of, the, like, got some very ups and downs for these stories, Fox, and I'm, you know, ups and downs to come as well. So let's take a quick break with non-thrills, covers, and nerve setters. Boy, why not? Yeah. Hazard for an eight Prog 876. <laughs> Brian Hughes creates a Tharg the Mighty Warning sign as the Prog celebrates its 17th birthday. Nice. When I was 17. I drank a very good beer. I read I some drank moderate a very Progs. Good, oh, I drank a very good beer I purchased with a fake, with ID. A fake ID. My, My name, name was Brian, was Brian McGee. McGee. I stayed up listening to Queen, Queen. when I was seventeen. <laughs> my, my 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 one for two thousand AD Fox was when I was seventeen. I read some moderate progs, some moderate progs with a lot of thrills by Alan McKenzie. <laughs> we went to hell with Luke Kirby. And there was Dinosity when, when I, I was, was seventeen. 17. <laughs> in the Nerve Center, Tharg thinks back to 1977, Star Wars and the Silver Jubilee mainly, and 2000 AD. There's also some pictures of 82,000, this initial mock-up comic from back in the 70s, sort of the uh, issue zero of 2000 AD. And I'll mention that this like comic without lettering and stuff was actually given away to 2000 AD subscribers, I believe in 2021 as part of if you have like a year subscription. The input page has a picture of Judge Sylvester Stallone threatening Tweety Pie and letters compliment the poster prog, call back the, uh, the carry-on judging story from previous mega special, ask for a Judge Dredd movie, ooh, I got good news, and yeah. question Dredd's healing abilities. Yeah, you can it's heal. Also, yeah, just like, I, they're talking mostly about in, in like Book of the Damned where Dredd broke a bunch of bones and then when he got back, it didn't even have any like casts on or anything. I mean, not surprised. It's also a, uh, an installment of Shaky's Beyond Belief with radio waves being picked up by fillings, cactus-based puns, a sleepwalking police officer, and photos of Andy Warhol being used as legal currency. Prog 877, Clint Langley draws a cover with a dino biker reptilian rogue hogs rule. Okay. 
Yeah, in the Nerve Center, Tharg mentions that 2000 AD has been in a bunch of TV shows, but only actually made their own TV content with a TV ad for its debut back in 1977. But now there will be another TV ad for 2000 AD later in 1994, debuting alongside Prague 889. And we'll talk about that more when we get to it. There's also a picture of Clint Lang- Langley's version of Nemesis coming soon. Which and looks a photo- honestly pretty good. Yeah, it's got a very um, it's gross. like Hanklin tin, like weird organic nemesis kind of feel to it, if you ask me. Um, there's also a photo showing off that the face of Mars might actually be a bust of Judge Dredd. Who's to say? More likely Dan Dare or um, Mr. Monday, but... <laughs> I mean, I'll mention that we learned in um, the big Dread, in, in the in the Judge Dread magazine last year that the face is actually really, you know, as you'd expect, to ancient alien Anunnaki stuff and things like that. Oh God, really? Yeah, the face is canonically a thing in uh, Dread World. It, it's a good story. Childhood's end. Uh, highly recommended, actually. Not Anunnaki, fucking. They call them out, buddy. They need gold for their spaceships. Come on. <laughs> Not water for them living, but just no. the, you know the one of the one of the uh, harder to mine minerals within our planet. Me, Why not? Gimme them rocks. Mid issue, there's a bunch of classified ads. I think you mentioned with the dynamic tension, though. I'm pretty charmed by the fake ID ad, which doesn't seem legal. Folks. I, I mean, know. listen, if it's if it's advertised, people are gonna know it. Yeah, the input page is a picture of Judge Beavis. Breaking the law, breaking the law. Nah, letters, nah, nah, compliment. Nah. <laughs> letters compliment both Book of the Dead and the Pan-African Judges. Some representation here. Suggest that Slain fight Big Dave and call oh. the ethics of Soul Gun Warrior into question. Well, okay. No one won yes on the other? <laughs> it's basically saying that Yuri Gargarin is a champion of humanity, so you shouldn't Whoa. be getting, in, getting into punch-ups in the astral plane with him, Fox. Uh, nope. <laughs> the prog ends with a, a ad for big-ass dread posters, 52 by 38 inches. God damn. With, that's four feet, over four feet by over three feet, with some classic work by, you know, I mean, John you Higgins, say, Richard Dolan, get Dolan, out of my Derek room, Staples. mom, nothing says it like multiple feet worth of judge. Absolute. Oh, man, you aren't, you're never going to clean that room, buddy. <laughs> <With the poster laughs> it's going like to be that. stinky forever. Mm. Prague 878, Grudgment Day. Jim uh. McCarthy draws a close-up of the Grudge Father and his gross teeth. 2000 AD, it's matured Noak Vats for maximum thrill power. In the Nerf Center, Thrug explains that Luke Kirby is taking a break to meet deadlines, and because of that, we got the Grudge Father. And there's also actually a couple paragraphs of background on the Judge Father, or on the Grudge Father, I should say, which is unusual for new thrills these days, or in 94 at least. Beyond Belief claims that Chinese firefighters wear high explosives yeah, be brave. Okay. We can Statue of Liberty that. is a naturally occurring termite mound. The Jane, Man- Jane Mansfield's head was never found. But was. That's a lie. Um, and she wasn't decapitated, actually. Just kind of scalped. Also, this one kid, Gwent Dean Yates, found two identical snowflakes in this plastic bag. Bugate 79, a top gun. Ron Smith draws dread trying to trying out this new lawgiver with flames in the background. I'm also sad to say that this is in fact Ron Smith's final uh 2000 AD cover. Oh, rest in peace, my baby. You made I mean, a great butt chin. Yeah, no, he's a, a classic like let's talk I, yeah. We should talk about it more 
when we get to his actual final stuff later this year, I okay. think. But I'm, I'm, I'm big Ron, Ron Smith. Because I was going to say, he does the classic, like, 1970s-ish look to, like, what oh. futurism is, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. And he did the, a, a bunch of classic Dread stuff as well. Like I said, let's talk about it more when, when, when we get to it then. Sure thing. Um. And the Nerve Center Thug subtweets some difficulties he's had with creative <laughs> staff over the years, like art being left behind in pubs, writers disappearing before the final chapter is complete, um, letterers, um, houses being firebombed and work being lost, all this kind of stuff. And similarly, he talks about how three chapters of The Clown were lost in the mail. Thank and so God. That's Nah, because, which gave us a temporary reprieve, but the clown will be returning in Prague oh, 881. Hooray. Come on, mail service. What the fuck is wrong with you? Beyond it's belief fine. is me. Yeah. Well, listen, I feel like the mail service did its part, but they just kept coming back. You know, they wouldn't stay dead, basically. Um, Beyond belief is mid issue, and this time Inuits are descended from Egyptians that built what? pyramid igloos. What jelly contains several? Te- each jar of jelly contains several teaspoons of bugs. New York cops get six bullets every time they go out on patrol and can't come back till they've used all of them. Which I don't. I don't think that's very funny, actually. Mm. Um, and Russians landed a bunch of people on the moon, but they didn't talk about it because they couldn't figure a way out a way to get them home. Um, that's horrible. And then there doesn't seem to be an input page, or I should say, actually, both 878 and 879, listen, Fox, we're reading these comics from scans, and they didn't scan the letter pages in these ones. So I'm sorry if you had a letter in this one and we aren't talking I, about we it. We would love to read it, and that's it. <laughs> I mean, I can, I can only read what I steal off the internet, Fox. That's the sad but true fact. Uh, until, until we can get these, you know? We can't I mean, get these. I, like, I bet I could... Like no, no, we can't. go to a comic no, mart. No, 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 and no. find these, no, pro- or, or a comic no. shop and find mm-hmm. these. Nope. But speaking of um, people at war with technology, Fox, as we ourselves find ourselves sometimes. Technology. To thrill for tyranny, Rex. Oh, finally. <laughs> Script about John Smith. Yeah. Art about Paul Marshall and Don Cox, letting robots, Colleen Steeden. I think that's the first time we've seen this letter on, on, the, on the podcast. Tyranny Rex is a lizard lady, mercenary turned nun, turned back to mercenary. Um, and back at her home convent, that, that weird alien cage of thorns that is holding the god's skin is about to enter in, into its endgame. Last time we also met Reverend Gabriel Hayes, who's this real. Um, flamboyant evil religious dude his One eyes my, exclamation he's, marks he's he's my kefka a la kafka oh, sorry kafka a la kefka a la haze does that make sense <laughs> oh man as a uh, as a longtime final fantasy 6 fan you're you're speaking my language fox I, he extremely is, he so is, he is my beautiful kefka with an umbrella Ella, definitely Ella. has that hey has God damn it, Fox! You know, right. you know he'd be a Rihanna fan. You know. Oh sure, I'm sure he'd he'd be in this. She'd be in this list that he gives later on. Had oh, she been alive wait. in 1994? Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> it, he's mm, chef's kiss. Yeah, and he's currently cleaning the blood off of his hands from killing Captain Ortranto. He needs Tyranny Rex dead, and so calls the Qualm, who are apparently a trio of murder seahorses from beyond the stars who come in all, all uh, Hellraiser style. We know? were called. We came. 
What would you have us do? Mm. At the same time, tyranny is being walked through a mysterious undercity. Cenobites, um, by the way. They're called Cenobites. Indeed. By uh, that Deus Machina kid she met last time. They enter through the um, through a mystic gate, donning a mask that looks like a bone spider web as she goes. So, so before we get there, because we will talk about it, um, is it weird? Because he's a Hitler youth, basically. Yeah. Everyone's a Hitler youth. Yes. I don't really like tyranny. that either. I must say, no, not not tyranny. Well, no, because she's the she's the cross pollinator. They built. Her. Yeah, but that's more of a role. I don't think she like. I think she might have been more built through time and space as opposed to explicitly built by these guys. She's okay, got a different yeah. backstory. All right, all right. I, I'm just glad that that got cleared up for me because this is Hitler youth that she's being. No, no, no. She comes from a planet of uh, lizard people. And so she's okay. the cross pollinator, but it's more one of those like fate has led you to this point as opposed to we built you to reach this point kind of situation. Not fate is what you make a la Star Wars. It is literal. Okay, good. Yeah, something like that. Um, she finds her, she goes through this gate and find and find themselves in a massive world of pipes and gears and floating lights where black robed people stand around a figure with a floating cog for a head with glowing facial expressions. Welcome to the womb of the world. Outside the, um, or outside the nunnery, commandos prepare to breach the, the shield and the nuns feel a strange presence and, or pressure and know they will die. And the qualm have the scent. That gearhead guy, Shadow Chancellor Hoth, High Priest of the Defica, has been waiting for this moment for generations. Tyranny stressed they have to work quickly and they're all screwed if Hayes gets the skin. The human security forces are closing in on Tyranny and the Devika, plan to take them both out and kill two birds with one stone. Well, Meanwhile, listen, Destro's outside doing a temple rub. That's right, Goth Destro is not pleased. Meanwhile, the qualm head out as Lieutenant Montaigne expresses some concern to Hayes about consorting with demons. But he says not to worry, he's having a whale of a time. I think you're doing great, baby. Look at my lips, I'm going to put a little little fur right below the tip of my lip, and I'm just, everything's going fine, baby. (laughs) I just did a blood sacrifice. The Shadow Chancellor explains the history of the Davika from yeah, we're Nazis. Catamites <laughs> of the Hitler Youth and Volkish breeding programs. And yeah, just some weird I, it's like, it's racist weird. Breeding, breeding stuff. That would be the fast forward portion. Like, yeah, this happened. But listen, all this other other stuff happened. Like, we're not associated with that. No, it's like just Hitler flag. Yeah, don't. You know, it does make it very like, huh, what are we talking about here when he talks about the past and there's just a big swastika flag floating in the background, you know? Yeah. Anyway. Hey, they've breached and we're going to get screwed. So get these nuns with guns outgunning those bros with guns to gun them. Tyranny stands before the gates of heaven. Will she take the final step to interface with the Matrix? Just try and stop her. On... Cor- on Corvakesh, the Gansfeller commandos have breached the nunnery's shield, so the sisters take up their weapons and prepare to fight to the death as the shoal approaches. This is a on pre-Matrix Earth- Matrix thing where they stab her in the back of the neck, etc. Definitely. I mean, this is very, I mean, very, sort, sort of like the the William Gibson idea of the of the of having sort of troads and, you know, 
pegs you put in your brain and stuff and the internet sort of being the matrix. It's a term, it's a pre-Wachowski term or, you know, they like, like they borrowed for all the rest of the matrix. They also borrowed virtual reality, internet stuff for the matrix. But they also, like part of that was also borrowed by existence, right? So could have, could the creators of existence have been reading too? That's the I question mean, that I would have. Because well, it's not I organic. Cronenberg it's not, reads all kinds of shit, you know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not organic. It is literally non-organic. But that's, I think, why Cronenberg would have then gone for the organic, right? Like you got to finger the hole. To- I mean, I mean, I would say if he's taken it from 2000 AD, he's gonna make it <laughs> sexual and organic. <laughs> Well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm more going to say that, like, wait, what's that? That was, a, he was Existence, right? What the yeah. fuck was Existence? The Cronenberg was a part of Existence. There's no way he wasn't a yeah, part yeah, of Yeah, yeah, he was a director, yeah. Sorry, I was, I was just going to say that if he borrowed from 2000 AD for Existence, it's okay because 2000 AD is borrowed from him extensively for oh, any number of oh, things over yeah. the years. I mean... Yes. I mean, you're telling me that the like 1974 like, Ripley going against an, or not 1970, excuse me, 1979? You're telling me that like Videodrome doesn't figure deep in 2080's <laughs> DNA, Fox? You're going to lie to me and say that? Get out of here. I wouldn't. I would never. Come on, buddy. And, you know, whatever. 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 Axes here we go. that are alive in original Dan Dare, you know? Yeah, freak out. Or at the very least, they're both cross pollinating from the I mean, same Bellar, from similar source materials. I mean, definitely loved him some of that. Get goopy. Yeah, you do have to get goopy with it. <laughs> on Earth, the security forces zero in on the Devika. As a shadow chancellor explains, that Tyranny must download her consciousness into the Matrix, where, where she will experience pain, suffering, and even death, but must not be deterred. She will be the serpent fire. They are bees pollinating the machine, and Tyranny must become the great cross-pollinator. A jack is about to be inserted into the back of her neck as an assault ship drops through the ceiling of the room. Signet malicious stormtroopers are attacking the Devika base as the cultists burn them down psychically. There's no time for all this. Tyranny must enter the Matrix, and the Shadow Chancellor doesn't really give her a choice and just jams it into her. Tyranny starts speaking binary and then falls into the great mainframe. I like that it's just a random binary. I put it into a binary uh, yeah, translator. Yeah, it doesn't mean anything. I got that it translated to the number seven in a uh, Hindu font, Fox. That was kind of weird. But that might also just be a placeholder. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think it's long enough for any kind of meaningful binary statement. Correct. <laughs> um, the Signet guys are confused, and then the Qualms show up. And it turns out they're actually these weird, like, kind of fetus, do navigator type dudes. Yeah. And the seahorse frames is more like power armor or, or cars for them or something like that. <laughs> power cars. They're looking for tyranny, Rex. And just looking at them makes you feel sick in the head. At the nunnery, Montaigne says they breached the shield, and the nuns say that it's over. They slaughter the sister that are maintaining the shield, and the god's skin will soon be Reverend Hayes's. Listen, On a, but here's the thing. They're in my head. They're in my head. <laughs> zombie, zombie, kill her, kill her. <laughs> Tyranny. Oh, Tyranny, kill her. All right, anyway. 
Yeah. I mean, that's appropriate for the time that song came out in 94, buddy. Freak oh, out. Oh, really? Yeah. It's a good song. Live it up. All them crime, cr- cranberry stuff, man. Your post-grunge. Very exciting time for Conrad, musically. Feels, um, it feels very tyranny to me, the grunge yeah. movement. Yeah, I could see it. There's trench coats and stuff involved, certainly. Um, on a blurry white background, tyranny reigns through the Deus Machina. The ground rushes up to meet her like a fist, as in reality. The qualm fist. shoots bolts of fire at her, and the Chancellor shouts no as they kill her. Uh, don't worry, she's fine. And not the setback to your career. It used to be in the olden days. In the Church <laughs> of the Third Immaculum. Oh, I'm looking so fantastic. I feel like Queen of the Brown. The Church of the Third Immaculum has been stormed. The sisters killed, cut to ribbons by this shoal, this flying mass of razor-sharp rocks, among other things. We see nuns begging for forgiveness as they wow. die, and images of death, including disembodied hearts and pools of blood. And, as you say, the Reverend Hayes is the happiest man alive. I love Reverend Hayes, and let me tell you, he's getting his glitter on. Yeah, he's wearing the god skin, the power flowing through his veins, queen of the prom. Montaigne asks what he'll do with his new power. He says he's going to make his every wish come true, and he wants it all. Talks about excess and desire of tripping the light fantastic with the stars the silver screen and name checks a lot of like kind of queer icon people i guess you'd say you know which i think is i think is body body and person positive man like yeah, yes, sure you're again kefka is the bad guy but Kefka's not the bad he's still know? fabulous you know but yeah Kefka your liberacis to your to your lies manelli's etc oh hell yeah like listen like I, they're using him as a, or them as a bad person. I don't take it to mean them as a bad person. You know what I mean? I mean, I feel like he's. I feel like hey, he's a pretty bad person. He's killed a lot of people. Oh, honestly. he is. No, he is literally a bad person. I just don't think <laughs> they're saying that people like them are a bad. No, no, no. Sense. Well, you know. I mean, uh, that's the difference between using a Hispanic accent and saying, I want to be queen of the universe, (laughs) you know? Well, and I think it's sort of, I mean, I uh, like it's, it's, it's very much a counterpoint to say, um, uh, devil and wall over in the magazine, who's very much this kind of, um, like a gay, um, like action hero kind of character and stuff. I don't know. Um, Oh, I'm into that. He'll be coming to the 2080 eventually. I, I feel like, oh, although he, though he is very much wait. a magazine character. Um. Anyway, Hayes breaks into song. He's got a version of "These Are a Few of My Favorite Things" that are very nerd based. I think, like, if just because like he name checks like train spotters and um bull and bullies with uh, broken arms and stuff like that. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's and it's weird. It's a whole Bofons thing. Bofons and puppies and wild platypuses. Check yeah, shirts shit, and, sneezes and sneezes and fresh, fresh running. running cheeses. Nasty school bullies with arms up in slings. These are a few half my favorite things. White socks and squatters and spotty train spotters. Pansies and poo. 
noodles and hot apple strudel. Newly get hatched geckos all tangled in string. These are a few of my favorite things. When a bowl goes, goes, when when the the phone rings, rings, when when I'm I'm feeling sad, I simply remember my my favorite favorite things, things, and then I don't don't feel so so bad. bad. (laughs) I'll I'll fix it in post, Fox. It's going to be awesome. I mean, listen, (laughs) can't harmonize on a... On a, it's, it's impossible on a radio on an internet delay. You can't listen, be done. Here's what I'll say. We did a great job. Good yeah. job, everyone. I mean, We're they, so everyone's everyone's good, always buddy. telling us about the musical podcast we have to do someday. Again, I'll fix it. It'll be, it'll be fine. Uh. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> oh man. Anyway, the qualm have taken the head of tyranny Rex as Hoth, the Shadow <laughs> Chancellor, cradles her body. Um, there, but it is done. We are done. <laughs> But as the qualm return to Korva Kesh, the dis- a disembodied voice tells Hoth that Tyranny did make it to the Deus Machina. Her mind was freed from her body. All is not lost. Indeed, she's just found what she's looking for. And inside the Deus Machina, Tyranny approaches the final door after a lifetime of searching. There's some time dilation. To hey, the babe, throne of the Deus Machina. But when she arrives, it's empty! An old scribe sitting there says, it's always been empty. There's no Deus Machina. Babe, listen. That's the secret. Like, if you thought there was a grand consciousness, you got to be kidding me. But here, listen to this sweet-ass set of lyrics that I've been working on for a time. We're going to call some dope-ass sobbed sobbed out. Very sad. Very sad babes. There's no throne over everything, but there is... But in fact, that whole thing is just a subterfuge hiding the first and final power of the hidden trinity. Mater Lacrimara, Our Lady of Tears. Mater Suspiriorum, Our Lady of Signs. And Mater Tenbararum, Our Lady of Darkness. All they're saying is, listen, Evanescence is literally three, uh, three different people living in one specific singer. And... I will tell you right now, it's pretty dope. That is our God. Your God is Evanescence. And peace out. Bye. Yeah. Anyway, dark ladies, <laughs> evil, tr- like dark, sad Trinity coming our way. Open our, open your heart to them. Our ladies of sorrow. How can I mean, our Lady of Sorrows is more my, my Chemical Romance, for the record. I'm not. I we're not going to get into fight. RCM. Let's fight. <laughs> Sorry, MCR. I do love MCR. Anyway, one way or another, Fox. Our next chapter of Tyranny Rex is the grand finale. It's gonna get you, get you, get you at last. Because you said one way or another, you know. Mm, I'll come by your house and see who's around, Fox. <laughs> How about that? Jesus. It's an insane song. And speaking of people being insane, Fox. Oh, this could be anything. Ghosts in the Machine. Stories we used to read when I was a young boy. We talk about Thrill 5, Rogue Trooper. Oh, hey, all your friends are here. 
Don't you like for, it when all of your friends come over for your chip party, son? Moderate. Moderate. Script robot Michael Fleischer and Alan McKenzie as Sidney Falco. Art robot Chris Weston, Michael Hadley. Letting robot Bunty Mayhew. I think might also be a new letterer. Maybe they were on last time. Anyway. This is all I really have to say about this, which is I have my purple armor on, so you can't do damage to me until you do the special place where it is, which you don't know. <laughs> oh, my armpit. That's my special bit. No. Friday is Friday's coming after that no good sa- scavenger of souls for unclear reasons. We see the scavenger land his ship and fly out on a hover throw to rip people's souls out of their bodies also for unknown reasons but listen he's just a dude he bleeds we can kill it it, etc yeah he's into it that's all he's like i'm going to make you into soul chips that's going to be totally dope and then you'll run my ship for me and i'll get more of you that's right friday steals himself and rushes on that rise and grind conrad okay listen Listen, I'm saying Friday has unclear motives. The oh yeah, no, I don't know why he gives the scavenger shit at all. of soul. No, he's on. A, he's he's got a sigma mindset. He's going out there and earning his bucks. <laughs> you know, <laughs> spending a lot of time watching YouTube videos from people who have been kicked off Facebook. You know, oh my god, I, the fact that you had to say sigma do my best, buddy. <laughs> that you know. is so beautiful. Listen, you got to rise and grind, bro. You got to reap the souls out of people by sucking their blood out with a little tube. That's right. 4 a.m., wake up. Protein shake. 5 a.m., reap 500 souls. 6 a.m., eat an prayer, egg. Prayer, meditation, boiled egg. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> sun salutations, bro. You got to get up before the sun so that you can salute the sun. Anyway, he Friday climbs aboard the Top ship. Top five uses, tips to get bring in them biochips. He uses his various <laughs> overpowered GI tools to easily overcome all the booby traps and stuff of the ship, noting that they're all set up the way a regular human would set them up as opposed to weird alien shit like when he fought that manta ray that one time, if you recall that one. Oh, I do. Um, he fought a manta ray? Yeah, do he fought I like a psychic manta. There was a psychic manta ray on like a dreadnought ship. And they like became telepathy friends, and oh, then it got oh blown yeah, up. in the orb ship, yeah, in the orb yeah, ship yeah, with the with the fucking prisoners and such. See, I listen to anyone listening to this podcast. I remember thing on time. Sure, he, Friday arrives <laughs> the main body of the ship and finds wall upon wall of biochips all from all over time and space. Basically, it's impress. It's like one of those um, when you get to one of those really big kiosks where they have Bro, license plates with everybody's names stacks. on them. It stacks on <laughs> stacks on stacks on stacks. Absolutely, right. but the scavenger who's now here says he'll let Friday experience it as part of the biochip network. Friday's having his essence sucked out, but he's still tough <laughs> enough to raise his gun and shoot the scavenger a couple times anyway. Well, it as, doesn't matter, um, bro. I've got my special protective armor on or whatever. Yeah. A familiar face appears in the chips, but the scavenger gets knocked down and he's got his purple armor on. So you can't hurt him. All you did was bounce some bullets off of him and hurt it's some bio mag- chips of innocent dead guys. He literally is like, it's special magnetic armor that was sealed magnetically. Your weapons is basically it's harmless to me, bro. And like, you can't do anything. Right, you bought that shit off Alibaba, buddy. <laughs> 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 
Friday okay. runs away and the scavenger goes, um, lets him go, I should say, ordering the biochips to make the ship take off. Friday moves through the ship. The biochips deciding among themselves to help the genetic infantrymen. But not to didn't. him, which is the part of this that I do like. It's like the, the <laughs> yeah. chips themselves kind of talking, which I've missed. And it's that. sort of using classic uh, airbud rules of, uh, well, the <laughs> boss didn't say we couldn't help them. You know, there's nothing in the rules that say a, say a uh, donkey can't kick field goals, that kind of thing. Yeah, no, we, we can reduce the amount of purple sludge. Yeah, Friday moves through. Yeah, so um, he climbs into a duct, but he's going too slow for the chips in their opinion. So they trigger something and then wash him out down the tunnels in a torrent of purple goo. It's called schmooze if you're into the um, My Little Ponies from 1990 that I had to watch with my sisters. Wow. That was, that was very interesting, the schmooze. Later, the goo has sort of transitioned to sort of a taupe color. And uh, Friday we blasts don't have his way out of the tunnels. Right. Everyone knows what what taupe. It's kind of a gray. Uh, the, the scavenger <laughs> is a pro, or yeah, it is as brownish gray. As Friday gets to a window and sees that he's in space, he checks with that finder device. You know that sort of butt plug that he found last episode <laughs> um, yes. earlier. But in but instead of some alien spirit being in there, it's his old commanding officer, Top. Oh man! Oh hey, Both- look. We finally called back to when all of his friends died in Rogue Trooper, the literal comic book about how all of his friends died, and he kept them with him, almost like an allegory to like, hey, everyone who around me who is dead, I carry them with me because it's literally PTSD. Yeah. Yeah. They're finally back in a butt plug now. Also, literally, like your dead buddy can shoot, can make your gun shoot or dispense mines well, from your or backpack sh- or and shit. shoot in you, depending on how you use. It. Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. All right. Both both Top and Lucky are still alive in biochip form, and they're going to help Friday take out the scavenger. <laughs> they show him a schematic with the weaknesses of his armor. Oh, he's got ouchy armpits. The scavenger then <laughs> shows up with a. He's using axe. axe. He's using axe spray. <laughs> yeah, he's got the uh, he's got the Lynx Africa scent. Fox, very oh, nice. No, I mean it's it is very nice, but also it leaves you weak because you will still be wet. Not trying. <sighs> so many UK deodorant references suddenly. Crazy. So, so I the the only last thing that I'll say is, doesn't his body armor kind of do a crang for you? Like my body. Yes. It's, it's got, got a very and the and the very set in there. Yeah. yeah, it just needs like a microwave in the middle <laughs> with a brain inside. I guess they anyway, go to fight. Continue. The scavenger warns Friday not to shoot or he'll do pressurize the ship, and the fight goes badly for Friday until he comes up with his rifle and butta buttas the alien's armpit, and which seems to kill him. <sighs> Should have Friday. used absorbent deodorant. Oh no. <laughs> Friday heads out as the chips offer to help him, and he asks about his third buddy, 8-Ball, but it seems something happened when he became a chip, and now he's got a childlike mind state. He calls Top Mommy, 
asks for a bedtime story. <laughs> yeah, he does. But how can this be? Friday saw these dudes die with his own eyes, and it's a long story. But not actually. I mean, the scavengers sort of harvest him from their dead bodies, like he does, whatever. But the longer story is that the scavenger is actually just a regular human guy, been given various powers and upgrade by that damn Clavel Corporation, the same one that created Friday and the rest of the GIs, as we saw in that War Machine story way back when. And as this happens, we see the scavenger remove his armor, and he is very much a human with some gross cyber stuff sort of deforming his brain, his skull, and things. And then he lasers his armpit. I just want to be... He tasers himself almost. He he Rambo threes his um, armpit wound here. Not great. Love that part of Rambo three. It makes no sense. It is is very good, but yeah, you're right. (laughs) Cauterizing. You're cauterizing. I I just, I don't think... don't know if gunpowder is really great for cauterizing it's, as opposed it's, it is literally not you as like, opposed to like you know just putting fire. a knife over a fire you yeah know? no that's the cauterization part the the gunpowder part it's explosive it will just explode just being neat um <laughs> you should do you want to see rambo explode or do you want to see him to do a cool thing <laughs> I mean, I'd like to see both, I guess. Yeah. Like one and the other, I guess. Oh, anyway, my God. Friday he sca- turns his arm into a bow. Because Oh, God. Have his own anyway. arm bones. Oh, my Friday's, God. Friday's skeptical because he killed Clavel back in War Machine. Ah, but that might have been like a clone or something. Or maybe he, when he died, he got turned into a biochip and then he could regene himself. And if he could regene himself and get his body back, then maybe the rest of the, of the GIs could, too. That'd be cool. But that's only if Friday survives. Friday asks Top for help with that, and Top agrees. But he'll need help himself oh, from the other biochips. Yeah, he summons. I like that. At, so this is one of the parts. This is a this is a movie writing trope that I love, where it's like you know the fallen of uh, Tenhazua Gate massacre will follow you. So oh, you didn't say catch this, the Fox? dead of the battalion of Orion. You, you, you didn't catch this reference. No. Well, so Top rallies all of these guys, all the chips to basically fight for freedom and stuff. And people agree. And two guys mention a um, mention the battles they were in. But it's that speech from uh, from Blade Runner. Right. Fight at the Tannhauser at the ta- at, at the Tannhauser gate of ships burning off the shoulder. Oh, of Orion. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Blade I Runner, mean- buddy. My wife and we we had to she so slight aside uh, we were watching the unaltered version uh-huh. and she said this is very boring let's just watch the new one and then we got halfway mm-hmm. through the new one and she said this is very boring and she skipped out that's fair listen those are it those is. are dark movie movies you know well, they're, they're I they're can't very imagine noir. watching they're very noir. I can't imagine watching the German equivalent of <laughs> Blade Runner in German. <laughs> Oh my god, it's got to be so exact. I am a Blade Runner. I hunt robots. But perhaps I am a robot. Oh. No, you wouldn't want to say that at the start of uh, at a, at, well, no, I guess maybe Germans would. Am I a robot? Ich bin, Who knows? Ich bin ein robot? That's a type of donut, buddy. A robot. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> <laughs> the scavenger now feeling better orders Friday confined, but the chips refuse and instead order him to leave the ship on an escape pod. There's a pretty funny moment here where they say, we won't kill you because we're soldiers, not politicians. Oh, God. 
<laughs> the scavenger goes, but as he does, he mutters some alien letters, and that sets off the ship's self-destruct system. It'll go in 60 seconds, but Friday won't leave without Top, Lucky, and 8-Ball, so I guess we'll all die together next time. Funeral in space. Funeral in space. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I also don't like the way that you talked about um, Greek lettering being a alien was the, language. W- was it Greek? It, I just assumed it, it was I just don't, squiggles. I, it, it isn't. It isn't. I think, but it, there are some. There are some letters in there that look particularly Greek. It's true, actually. There's like, yeah, the, that circle with the line to the top. Yeah, and no, I've, I, as somebody who's like lived house. in Cyprus, some of that looked like Greek. <laughs> All right, never mind. Could be Greek. Who's to say? No, Listen. who's to say? Like, there's only two places in the world that even speak that, Greece and Cyprus. I can't, I can't translate it, Fox. It's all Greek to me. <laughs> <laughs> all right, go okay, to hell. Okay, okay, I love that. <laughs> Also, hey, do you know what's all Greek to me, Conrad? Oh, man, I hope it's the backstory and just what the fuck's going on in the Grudge Father Fox. It is. It is. I don't, what's going on here? Thrill 6, the Grudge Father. I need to care about this, uh, apparently. Script robot Mark Miller, art robot Jim McCarthy, letting robot Bunty Mayhew. Eurasia 11, 5th of May, 2156. Uh-huh. A man with some kind of head appliance returns yep. to his apartment with some cats jumping in the Great. window. I love cats. He can't feed them until morning when suddenly a bunch of clawed, skinless hands erupt from his bed and rip from limb from limb. So People his outside- bed was a monster? People outside the place hear his screams and call for the clone cops, and they burst in and find the man a bloody mess begging to be mercy killed. The clones cop finds some kind of horror on the ceiling where it's hiding from those cats, and they open fire, and I think it escapes. I'm pretty sure it does. So, anyway. uh, so Conrad, I told you this question was coming. What's a grudge, Father? This is the third time this has happened this week, and we've got a massive grudge overspill on our hands and on the wall is a message written in blood. I don't know what a grudge overspill is, Fox. I don't know why we're saying the word grudge so much. I really don't. All right. Well, let's get through the next part. And if I get confused about what a grudge father is, I'll ask you again. Oh, please. Elsewhere on the frozen tundra of Australia, members of the Vatican army hope that he will help him. They oh, good. An in- into a big mansion, the doors open, and find a man in like a Dracula suit and big castle. Coat. Yeah, yeah. I love, I love to see a Dracula. He talks kind of Godfather like, like you come here to ask for my help, yet you show me no respect, and then makes him kiss his ring and things like that. There is again a grudge overspill and some kind of supernatural threat, and that he should come help help them with this because all three victims were close friends, close friends of his. And there was a note in blood, that note in blood from previously says, I'm coming for you, grudge father. So well, he's okay. the next target. Well, okay. So what's a grudge father, Conrad? Don't, I don't know. Uh, all right. 15 I'll tell, years I'll ago. Tell you, grud- I'll, well, no, I'll tell you what, Conrad. How about yeah. after the next part? I'll ask you again, just in yeah, case let's, I missed it. Let's keep it up for sure. We will surely find the answer at some point. 15 years ago, the Grudge Father created the first artificially cloned human, but uh-huh, sadly, uh-huh. that human was full of demon monsters. Bad okay. times. That doesn't sound good. Why would he do that? 
Ten years ago, it seemed like he owned Eurasia 11. He was its black what? beating heart, but now what? he's an outcast criminal here to save it from a menace no one he understands, made those including demon us. People, why would he rule? Okay. Anyway, please continue. At a fancy rooftop, we see the Grudge Father. He's just kind of a regular dude, sans mask. Um, and the butler gives him a fizzy drink as he goes to meet his well, guests, nice. a man named Pelagria and a woman named Pretty Mouth. And I'll mention I, that Pelagria so means is big a ass get- nose. What does it mean? Big ass nose. No, no, no. Pelagria is a, a, a deadly disease from not having enough vitamin B3. Eat your niacin, folks. It's in most foods. Oh, okay. <laughs> So eat food. Is that well, your- <laughs> it's like it's like it's like greens and meats basically have 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 niacin in it. Also multivitamins. So just don't only eat. Yeah, basically, like don't be on a starvation diet. You'll probably be fine, or on a ship, I guess. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, Pelagria doesn't want to be there really, but when the god gr- when the Grudge Father calls him on this, uh, begs for forgiveness. Yeah, he's a real bitch about it. Yeah, um, and the Grudge Father reveals that um, their friend Larynx has been killed and then drinks that fizzy drink and explodes into the scarred and masked what? Grudge I, Father. You missed one of the most important characters in the most demeaning Oh, the lady named, uh, named a Pretty Mouth also? Yeah, that really upset me a little bit. <laughs> Very weird, not gonna lie. It's weird. It's not just because she puts on lipstick, I imagine. I mean... She could I have wanna, a very beautiful mouth. I don't know. I want to I want to dream that this is like some kind of play on like Money Penny from like James Bond or something like that. That's my that's my hope. But Money um, Money Penny is like money money. <laughs> why not? Okay, this one's like blowjob haver. Yeah, I'm saying it's also kind of a deliverance thing so is we're being very naughty with our references here. Okay, that's fine. I guess. Other than don't just eat bread or Not really. Let's see. Let's see what's. We'll see where this is going. I'm. I'm nervous. So, so the he cr- explodes. Who is he? He's the Grudge Father. But what's a Grudge Father, Conrad? <sighs> it's unclear. All right, please continue. The creature I'll thereafter after is, after the is, is. Yeah, one more time. The creature thereafter is a genetic freak. There's some McGickle residue from the bodies and the victims that give him some clues. <laughs> when there's McGickle. a K, it's 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 McGick. No, Fox. you you correct you said it correctly. It is McGickle. <laughs> Suddenly, there's a phone call from the Grudge Father's old teacher, Agent Orange, who warns what? them that the end of the world is coming. Like I the don't know. gas or the person. <laughs> I guess that's his name, but, you know, it's also, of course, the defoliant. Later, at the docks, a man with tall hair named Bootleg is buying black market DNA from a guy named Harry. When Harry's pulled into the water. Yeah. Anyway. He's killed by a giant claw-handed monster the narration boxes identify as The Hatred. Oh. In flashback, Pretty Mouth remembers the Grudge Father leaving the city 10 years ago, and now that he's returned, she feels everything is falling into place next time. The gene pool. Okay, so great. I Like, we got a lot of context there, Conrad. I, just because, uh, canonically, I'm a confused man. What is the Grudge Father? I guess in the future, right? Okay. It's there's the human cl- there's there's human cloning. Okay. That I mean, sure. Okay. And the guy who invented the human cloning is called the Grudge Father. But he also made demon. 
because of the clones. It seemed like demons, the people that he cloned were very demony as well. They were inside of the clone. Yes. That's what I got out of it. I just want to make sure. But he has and, friends, so he wasn't doing it for a bad reason. And he's got a crew of yeah, of chums that helped him with his grudge fathering. But <laughs> this is where I get confused. What's the and grudge part of his grudge fathering? And there's a grudge element that seems like it's challenging that he's in charge of. And if there's too much grudge stuff, then it turns into a monster, I want to say. But what? So who? What or who has the grudge that he has to father that he is the patron of? I feel like the clones do. But they're alive. They can't be that upset. But they're alive, and there's demons in there. So the demons might be upset that they're in a corporeal form? Yeah, and then Sarah Michelle Gellar's involved somehow. (laughs) Um, And I think... I think the ring is also a big part of it. But you haven't seen the ring. No, no, no. Just the TV commercials for all those freaking out too much. <laughs> I'm glad we... So, Conrad, I guess what I'm surmising from all of this information that you're giving me is we don't know who the grudge father is. We don't know why the grudge father... Also, we don't understand what a grudge overflow is, but it's probably something bad given that it's killing people. Although it is killing people yeah. who do black market DNA, which to me feels like black market DNA is like poop, right? Like yeah, but like that's but like how the you get ca- you get DNA. The counterpoint is that is that the authorities are very are the is like the Vatican or some kind of church, basically. Oh, so the army is literally like the Swiss army or whatever. Kind of, yeah. And so, but but when the authorities vary church based like that, it all I also, you know, my sympathy goes to people acting against that authority, you know? Oh yeah. Like that's very that's very anime kind of feeling where the best way to get me to sympathize with rebels is to have the authority be called the Vatican basically. <laughs> well, I mean, listen. I've watched my fair share of the vampires aren't the bad guys anime, you know? Um, I'm just unsure, like, I feel like the setup of the thrill should be who the grudge father is. Yes. But I don't... <laughs> they are... But who's the grudge father? Maybe that's... They are not, they are not taking enough... They, they're not taking enough care to explain what the fuck's going on in this thing, <laughs> Now We just gotta take a lot on context. Now, here's what I'll ask. Because I'll be the one who asks it the first time. Conrad, this Yo. may not be my bottom thrill. I don't know yet. But I would rather know. Conrad, what are your top and bottom thrills? Oh, man. I don't know. There's some not great stuff in this one, Fox. Agree. Like, I don't like this grudge father. I'm not a big fan of Dynocity. Mm-mm. Actually, I guess maybe... I, I feel like those two kind of bring it down for me. I thought Rogue Trooper was okay. I mean, mm-hmm. it's very, this feels very much like, like just necessary. Like they've got to do this to get biochips back into Rogue Trooper. And I'm very excited for that to happen. So I'm I guess okay this is with a this story being that? very direct. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and it's just sort of 
doing what it sets out to do. So that's okay, I guess. Um, Luke Kirby, Kirby, that was fine as well. Like, this hell stuff's fun, I think, uh, at least a little bit. I mean, when you and I joke about, like, hey, it's the devil, right? And we all know it's the devil. I forget how it ends. I would really like this guy to not actually be the devil. I think that would be very funny. That would because, be, that would to me be like, you ended well. You know what I mean? Because they're hinting at, yeah, they're, they're just hinting at it so hard that like. It, it's I, just I, it one could, of a lesser devil trying to get in on the skin. Yeah, it could be fun if it was something else, but I don't think that'll actually happen. And you know, Dread, again, I don't like this anti-Hispanic stuff, Fox, really don't. I think um, so I that may was be able moderate. to, I think I may know what your top is. So uh, I'm going to say my tops, Tyranny Rex. I've enjoyed this story. I think we're reaching, you know, we're at the climax of it right now. And very like, you know, they've killed her literally. And that's not the end of it. And I think that's pretty fun. And, you I, know, it's I'm weird that they brought in the Nazi stuff when they literally didn't have to. That that's was definitely a sour note on, on the tail, I think. Um, but otherwise, again, you know, love John Smith's writing. I think Paul, oh, Mar- yeah. I don't, th- you know, Paul Marshall's art is pretty good. Like I, I, you know, I, I, I wish that they, they'd had the money to keep Mar- Mark Buckingham the whole time or whatever, but mm. this is fine, you know, and definitely the height or the, uh, the, the, the top stories of kind of a uh, month, I guess for my, my full Ooh. bottom, Ooh, I got an embarrassment of riches here. Mm, I mean, I, I kind of want to say dread because I just don't like the Spanish stuff. But I think in the end, I'm going to say the grudge father just because I'm not a huge fan of Jim McCarthy's art, I think. And I, again, I don't. And you've made me not like it with your constant <laughs> questions of who the, God, who the grudge father is. Listen, like. if if it, like I made it a point after reading it today. Right. Mm. That <clears throat> there are things that I don't always glean from reading with Max. Right. That I learn from your rereading of them through us talking. Right. But I still had yeah. a question in my mind. Like I, I was like, yeah, there's a thing that tears this man apart. There's some cats. He's got some friends. There's this Vatican army. Like there are things that I know about this work. Do you know what I don't know about this world? What the fuck is a it, what the fuck is a grudge father? <laughs> mm. Like I don't even care about the grudge overflow, right? Because like that's secondary to the fact that there is a grudge father. Who would know that if they told me anything about? It, right. So that's I kept it with me as like I I need to ask you in order to know. And I knew at the very beginning when you couldn't answer that question that it was unanswerable. But we needed to ask it. Yeah. After each part. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Sorry, not sorry. I'm sorry no, that we fine. had to read The Grudge Father. Listen, I'm, I've, it's not like I've got fond memories of The Grudge Father for my first read through <laughs> or whatever. I, I'm, this, is, this is one of these ones where when I read it, I was like, whoa, fuck, I'm not reading that. But <laughs> now, because of the podcast, I've got to give it more scrutiny than I feel like anyone's ever given it before. So. It's just a lot. So Box, what are your top bottom thrills? Oh. Huh? You messed up with the format of my show and confused me, but I'll remember to ask you. Oh, buddy. you Like, listen, you've already been through the dredges of what is the rest of this. What I'm going to say is Tyranny Rex is absolutely... Like, it, it is followable, which I feel like is now a skill 
that these thrills need to have. Like I can follow <laughs> it through. Um, and other than like the the nonsense Nazi thing, which was like one page, it's like ah yeah, there was this thing in which I'm like okay, why? But also okay, the rest, right? Demons, Godskin, my my Kefka boy, uh, like it's perfect. I agree with you on everything else, right? Like I. I actually am enjoying Rogue Trooper more from our discussions than I mm-hmm. than than in my solitary read, right? Which is what's nice is like the kind of dyad that you and I can have about it. Like I find it a, a bit more fun, which elevates. But here's the thing, Conrad. What is a grudge father? <laughs> and that's why it's at my bottom. Scary because really came I came on the scene and rubbed us the wrong way, and I appreciate well, that. Well, no, I like listen. I I get it. It's like Euro Eurasia eleven. Uh, all of these things happened to this guy, and it was like this, and he made some clones, and now there's a clone police, but also there's these people from the Vatican Army, and it's like okay, I get all of that. What the fuck's a grudge father? Like, why is it bad that he did a cloning? Well, there were demons. Okay, okay, so there were demons, but that's not why you exiled him? Well, we're not saying why we exiled him. We exiled him. Probably because of the demons. That's what my mind jumps to. But what is a grudge father? Why is he a grudge father? Does he create grudge? Is the grudge the bed the man is sleeping in that rips him apart? Or is the grudge that, like, did he eat cats and the cats ate him? No, well, the cats are what scared the grudge monster? Like, I just don't, Mm -hmm. I don't get... What the fuck this comic is trying to say while also being as bloody and brutal as it is. And I, I, I love I mean, the art yeah. in a I way. I mean, certainly. And like, I want to be very clear that I think it's a like, I feel like we are going heavy on what the heck is a grudge is grudge in this situation. While also at, from the other side of our mouth being like praising John Smith and all the weird shit in, um, in tyranny rex right now you know yeah but it's like, not that weird i can follow it like yeah, logically I, through the through the through the narrative that's being spun and like just they, they should be telling us what they mean by grudge stuff like and this <laughs> i don't know well because this is the, the reason that i don't shit on dynacity is that i understand what it is yeah, in right? the in the end, I just think Miller isn't quite a good enough. Unlike, it, it is not as good a wordsmith as, as as John Smith is, and thus his attempts to be mysterious and use weird language is more infuriating than it is mysterious. Yeah, uh, like again, the reason that I'm not completely dunking on Dynosity, which is what I want to do. It is what I wanted to do as soon as I read Dynosity. I was like, I don't like this. It's not for me. But I do understand that it is for people who understand it, right? Kinda, yeah. <laughs> Grudge Father is like, at least in the first two, which I, I, again, like usually when there's just two thrills, I'm not that horrible about it. But I just don't know who the Grudge Father is. Yeah. I know what a grudge is. Anyway, I'm going yeah, over the weird. top about what is a Grudge Father. Conrad, my bottom. Grudge Father, my top. Listen, we're in complete simpatico. Live it up. All right. Good times. And with that, I hope everybody enjoyed the show and our various <laughs> meanderings. My, you can my always, hate of the Grudge Father. You can always find space. Listen, this is a, a rare time. To-
I'll just go back and just say it's, it's a rare time where Fox is really talking me into not liking something as opposed to when I try to get him to not like me, the Mean Arena reboot or something like that, you know? What is a grudge father? <laughs> anyway, please continue. Find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Titch, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or podcast site of Space Spinner 2000.com. Contacts at Space Spinner 2000 at gmail.com. 2000 AD forums or Facebook, Twitter, Twitter, Space Spinner 2K. And if, you know, leave us a rating or review wherever it is you're listening to it. Just, just five stars, and I like this show, actually helps out quite a bit. This show is brought to you by Steve Green, Robert Hardingham, and your friends at the 2080 Forums. If you'd like to join them and help support the show, we'd appreciate it. Check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash Get advanced episodes and come back next time as we reach the end of Dynosity and the Grudge Father. Dread deals with an assassin and both the clown and Robo Hunter return. No. And no. we at last no, 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 start no, no, no. our global trek, Fox. As Babe Race 2000 oh, begins. Finally. Okay, so at the very least, I have to look towards Babe Race. Babe Race, you will be good. I'm sure of it. I will <laughs> How bad could it be? And until then, we'll find out. I'm Conrad, he's Fox, and we are Space Spinner 2000. Who is the Grudge Father? Grudge Father?